0: Just being honest, the JBH Podcast. Let's rock this true food full thought. Today's podcast is brought to you by, and proudly sponsored, represented by U.S. Cryotherapy. Guys, I've been using U.S. Cryotherapy for over a month now. I've tried to go literally every single day. It has not only boosted my immunities, but it has really helped me with my anxiety levels, reduced inflammation, reduced my cortisol levels. I have never felt better. Um, I can focus. I can sleep better. I just feel overall relaxed. Um, Not to mention my athletic performance is at his peak level so head on into u.s cryotherapy mention katherine brown or just being honest that's being without a g and uh get yourself a little cold treat that's u.s cryotherapy our guest today very special guest all of our guests are special But this one is especially, especially important to tune into. Um, Dr. Jen Mann, she's a psychotherapist, a celebrity psychotherapist, to just kind of like toot that horn. She, um, on VH1, has a show called Couples Therapy with Dr. Jen. She has Family Therapy with Dr. Jen. She's been on the Today Show, Dr. Oz, The Doctors, Entertainment Tonight. Jimmy Kimmel guys Jimmy Kimmel for real just to name a few she's got books her newest book called the relationship fix Um, you got to pick that one up I plan on picking it up actually today I'm gonna head over to my local bookstore and pick that one up uh, talking about all the communication intimacy connection all the things you need to know to make well a substantial relationship yours. So, grab your notebooks. You're not going to want to miss this. Um, oh, and by the way, guys, I just wanted to tell you how grateful I am for you. Random, I know, but thanks for tuning in. So, on to the show. Dr. Jen is coming in hot. This is the Just Being Honest podcast. We're diving in. hi guys wow it's super hot it's super sunny it is summer in southern california it's july 5th well today's july 5th but when you listen to this it could be you know monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday who knows it could be september when you listen to this gosh i hope you listen to this right when we air it but without further ado Hi guys, this is KB, your health, nutrition, lifestyle, manifestation coach, and you have just turned on the Just Being Honest podcast. I am totally, literally just going to bounce into this next guest. Dr. Jen Mann is on the show today. I, I'm lost for words because I have been trying to write down everything that she's been involved in just so I can say it in an elevator pitch but she's going to have to introduce herself much more formally to herself I will give like layman's terms super quick spark notes version she is a psychotherapist an amazing well known psychotherapist has been couples therapy with Dr. Jen Guys, if you haven't seen that, you gotta tune in. Gotta look at some some of those episodes. She has been on the Today Show, Family Therapy with Dr. Jen, um, Jimmy Kim Alive. She's written oh my gosh, so many books I can't even count. Um, the Relationship Fix, which I'm sure she'll tell you more about that, which is about connection and intimacy. Which I I need like all of her books honestly. Um, <laughs> Super Baby. Um, Oh, gosh, what else? Um, Her history, we'll tell you her website so you can look more of her history, and we're going to go through that today. But without further ado, because I could go on forever, and you're going to go on for us, Dr. Jen. Welcome to the JBH Podcast. How are you? I'm
1: good. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Oh, gosh, what a day. Um, So let's just kind of jump into, because what I really want to talk about, well, what I want to tell people I want to clarify something. A psychotherapist. There's a psychotherapist. There's a psychiatric um, doctor. There's a psychologist. um, There's sociologist. You know, they all kind of sound the same. Um, Can you clarify exactly what a psychotherapist is and what they specialize in?
1: Psychotherapy covers a lot of different kinds of therapy. It, It covers a different kind of therapist. It covers... MFTs, which are marriage, family, child therapists, social workers, clinically uh, licensed clinical social workers. It covers psychologists, it covers uh, any kind of psychiatrists who prescribe medication. So it's a pretty broad term. What I am personally is I am licensed as an MFT, which is a marriage, family, and, and child counselor. Technically, now they've changed the license from MFCC to MFT, so it's marriage, family and child therapist. Um, but it's a very broad license that allowed you to do individual therapy, couples, family, all kinds of stuff. I, after getting my master's in psychology, went back to school, got my doctorate in clinical psychology, also specifically marriage, family, and child counseling, and then got licensed as an MFT.
0: Wow. Um, wow. But see, okay, here's the deal. We need to step back because you have that credential, right? Um, But now that we know, like, what a psychotherapist is, um, kind of broadly on that sense, I want to know. Okay, I'm honestly, I have to admit, I'm really nervous talking to you because I feel like whenever I talk to therapists, I feel like they can, like, read my mind and, like. Don't
1: worry, I don't do overtime in between clients, so I won't read your mind. Okay, okay,
0: okay. Um, but I, I'll save that for the, for the
1: 4 o'clock hour.
0: Okay, perfect. Um, but what I want to kind of clarify to people is that your history and basically even when you were in school, beyond before that, um, I think it's probably going to share maybe why you became a, um, a psychotherapist in the first place. Can you kind of tap into maybe your childhood or your upbringing um, and maybe 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 if that was a reason why you became a psychotherapist or went into psychology.
1: Uh, Well, I come from a very pro-therapy family. Um, Unbeknownst to me, I was actually named after my dad's first therapist when he was 18. I, I knew it was my dad's doctor. I didn't know until I was actually already a licensed therapist that it was his therapist. So my family's very... Therapy, which I'm very, very grateful for. Yeah. and I also come from a real activist kind of background. My parents are songwriters; they've written a lot of songs that uh, were kind of anthems for uh, civil rights in the '60s and '70s. And so I always grew up very active. And when I was in uh, my I was in college, and I was a journalism major. And I did a story for my junior year about we had to pick an issue, and the topic that I picked was rape on the college campus, mm-hmm. uh, on the rape and date rape, which was very new at the time. It was something people were just starting to talk about. Ms. Magazine had just come out with a survey about college campuses identifying this as a problem. What happened was I interviewed four women who had been Acquaintance raped by one guy who was going to be getting access back to the campus after he got out of prison. And the school had not been open about that. So I became obsessed with the topic as I was writing the story and interviewing the women. And, um, What happened was word got out on campus that I was doing this and women came out of the woodworks. My teachers, my internship bosses, other students all came forward to tell me about their experiences and I felt like I had to do something. That activist in me got triggered and I felt that I either needed to go into law to help women or psychology. And I did my last semester in college volunteering for the Los Angeles Commission on assaults against women. Uh, as a rape and domestic violence counselor, and they're now called Peace Over Violence, and. As soon as I went through this amazing 60-hour intensive training where we were taught how to do counseling, we met with police officers, rape survivors, trauma survivors, psychotherapists, psychopharmacologists, safety experts, like you name anyone involved in the field, like we met and we, we learned a lot about this stuff. I felt like I had found my calling and I decided that I would go back to school to get a degree in psychology and I went and I got my master's and then later my uh, doctorate in psychology.
0: And became a an therapist. Wow. Um, wow, gosh. No, I love the whole the whole date rape thing. And and I'm gonna bring this forward because I don't think many people understand, and I'm already getting tangent, but I don't think many people understand that you can be in a relationship, male can be, you know, you know, male and female, whatever, whatever the genders may be, you can be in a relationship and your significant other can literally, it's it's classified as rape if they force themselves upon you or treat you in a, a, an unorderly manner um, without your consent. And w- people yeah, don't you realize care, that. And
1: a lot of people don't realize that there's such a thing as marital rape, that you exactly. can be married to someone, and if you say no, no is no. Now, granted, it's a lot harder to prove in court. It is a, it is a much more... Um, Difficult case when it comes to the law, but it's valid and it's, it's still right. Whether you're like whether you're married or not, if you say no. The answer is no. It,
0: exactly, and people don't realize that. And and one thing that kind of comes clear to my mind is, um, I mean, it, it's more common than people even realize. Um, you know, and that's
1: what I discovered as I was doing that story. That yeah, because so many women came out and talked to me about their experiences, which I felt very grateful that they were willing to share something so personal and so vulnerable, Um, I realized what a huge problem it was, and I felt like I had
0: to do something. Um, You know, and I'm going to be vulnerable here because I've become, as I've been doing this podcast, I've become more and more open, I find. It's been very, very healing for me to do this, Uh, but I... I had, you know, my parents were divorced growing up, you know, and then I had a, this one big relationship in my life, and it it was not, let's just say, it was, it was kind of along the lines, you know, as what we were just talking about, and that happened, and it was very scarring and very, tra- very That's traumatic last- in my life, um, and and so you know, it, it really really captures that person's essence for a long, long time, and especially with, you know, relationships and mental um, awareness, and I see that in, um, you know, I was, that show, what was it, Big Little Lies, um, sure. I tried to watch that show, and I couldn't, because it was so sure. traumatic just to watch Nicole Kidman get forced, and that whole just dysfunction. But what I saw also, and what I, I mean, I noticed right off the bat, um, from your, you know, doing rhythmic gymnastics and working with the gymnasts, you know, I grew up with in a gymnast family as well. I know exactly the mentality behind (laughs) being a gymnast, the body issues, um, you know, um, the Heinrich, you know, do you know The Heinrich Foundation um, also helps with, you know, women with eating disorders as well and body image. Um, But I saw that you really dove into that, especially, you know, doing your, what was it, your dissertation? Yes. And, you know.
1: I did my my doctoral dissertation on eating disorders, and it is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I'm someone who has recovered myself. I had an eating disorder for about 10 years, and I've talked about it very publicly on season three of couples therapy when I was helping Abby Joe Francis's girlfriend, now wife, Mm -hmm. uh, with her eating disorder. And I have an app called No More Diets that's based on my doctoral dissertation and the work that I do with people in my practice and also my own healing that I did in this area. I wanted people who couldn't come to my office or couldn't afford therapy with me to be able to learn what... I do with my clients and what I did with myself in order to help themselves heal, and whether it is a full-blown eating disorder or more of that kind of thing that all too many women have of obsessing about their body, hating their body, restricting, yo-yo dieting, all that kind of food obsession, I I created my No More Diets app in order to help women heal and make peace with their bodies and food.
0: I know. It's so true, and you know, it's still... It still does occur, um, you know, with the body shaming, and you know, it really kills me, especially social media these days. You know, everything's the highlight reel; it's all highlight reel, guys. You know, totally. but you've got you've got all these images, and people just compare themselves to them. And what I'm loving right now is, um, you know, especially even on the runways, you know, people are. <laughs> normal again, you know? And and I think, you know, I I wouldn't go that
1: far, but it's well, definitely an improvement. <laughs> well,
0: exactly, but it is definitely an improvement. But what I'm uh want to say is um can we talk about the 4th of July yesterday and talk about sure. uh, bodies? God. Okay, so I am from the Midwest originally. So I am me personally, I'm I'm I dress more (laughs) let's just say I cover up a little bit more Um, and so you know being in Southern California um, it it was very interesting like um, just being around some females that I you know obviously was not in the right zone you know I was invited by one of my male friends and um, it's just really interesting how girls Females, And I'm not saying females only do this, but they do. They give you that one up and one down, and it's that whole judgment thing. And it's kind of like the Instagram in real life. Um, and um, and it's, it's more of we need to bring each other up instead of bring each other down um, by first impressions or, you know, the eye look. Um, so what I really tried to do yesterday, coming back full circle, um, what I really tried to do is... I noticed so much lack of self-confidence. And Dr. Jen, I went through, and we could talk about this forever, but I, you know, spark notes, I went through a really not so good time in my life where my self-confidence was shot, completely shot. And I would have loved for someone to just, a stranger even, to just come up and be like, you've got this, you know, or blah, 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 you know, just say something random, even when you just have low self-confidence, but to be in a room of, and I'm just going to say this, Hollywood wannabes, and, and, and for them to not want to talk to you, because obviously, you know, I'm not drinking alcohol, I'm drinking my bottle of water, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to bring them up, in turn, you know, they don't want to talk to me, they want nothing to do with me, and I'm trying to say, oh, well, you know, compliment them on anything they have, just to give them a little boost of confidence, Um, and I went totally tangent on that, but body image, completely body image, and that also, in turn, you know, like you were saying, um, eating disorders, and especially with the gymnastics side of that, uh, what did you see in the gymnastics world and you still work with gymnasts here today, correct?
1: Yes um, but to back up for a second and you know I also think that we have to as part of our self-care really look at who we surround ourselves with and, for sure. you know when I was going through my own recovery and my girlfriend started talking about their, you know, body issues, and uh, this is fat, and how many calories this, and carbs that, and I just put the, I learned to make the boundary to protect myself, and put the kibosh on that kind of talk. Exactly. That when other women try to engage with me, I do it very nicely, but I change the subject, and, you know, at this point in my life, and I've been eating disorder-free, I, Eat whatever I want. I have a very healthy relationship with my body and with food. It's a non-issue for me. And if other women I'm around get into the body criticism stuff, I'm just not interested in it. To me, like I'd rather talk about politics. I would rather talk about passion. I'd rather talk about pretty much anything. So to me, it's I don't I'm not interested in that. So I don't engage. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's important to look at one, the boundaries that you make with people around you and to who you're hanging out with and if you're hanging out with people that feel superficial or uh you feel don't accept you because of how you look or what you're wearing or anything like that then stop hanging out with those people oh yeah
0: that is exactly why I left I, I mean I just I don't have time for that anymore I'm like these people are children you know and I'm just like I just you know I went to you know obviously support my my guy friend who was probably the nicest one there but anyways I went to support him you know go say hello I spend you know my whole I'm actually I'm an outgoing introvert so I I literally like I like meeting new people and and, you know flocking around but I've had my time around that I'm like okay I need to go home you know my mom was in town I'm like I'm you know gonna go read my yoga magazine and go talk to my rocket scientist Uh, of an uncle, you know, like I enjoy those things, you know, so I'm like, I'm out. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, no, I totally agree. Who you associate yourself with is key to any relationship. So let's move upon on that step of associating yourself with relationship. Let's go into, um, do you mind if we talk a little bit about, um, since we're kind of on the love aspect of self-care, body love, um, it's kind of weird how self-care, has, I feel like now it's really being thrown out there, um, in apparent, you know, people are like self-care, 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 self-love, self-love, self-love. And why is that so, do you think? Why do you think just now it's, it's so important and people are almost bragging of self-care? Um, why do you think now? Like, what do you think is going on in our society that's making us want to, like, brag about that?
1: Well, I think that, um, A lot has changed in just the way our society works. And I think that we typically have jobs that are 24 seven, whether we work for ourselves doing a podcast or a blog or in a company we have to be accessible to be successful in this day and age, pretty much around the clock. You know, most companies, well, there's some that have good boundaries, but most companies expect you to be reachable on your cell phone at all times, be able to text you late at night, hey, I need that report in right away, or, you know, willing to do a, a blog post late at night to do whatever it takes. And I think that the demands of what it takes to be successful to earn a living in this day and age is exhausting. And I think that as a result, that people are getting really burnt out and and therefore there's a greater need for self care and it was something that wasn't even a concept, you know, a decade or two ago. But I think it's great that it is.
0: Yeah, I think it's also the, you know, social media stimulation, like we're spending so much you know, engagement all the time that we're just, yeah, we're burnt out on that as well. And, yeah. and you know what? I, I turned 30 this year and I have never loved a bath more, you know, like <laughs>
1: I'm with you sister. <laughs> oh
0: my God. I am like <laughs> seriously. And I'm, I will completely admit I am the youngest grandma you will ever meet. Like I five o'clock, five I'm like, whoop bath time you know I'm starting to shut it down you know like I go to bed at nine I have like this whole routine that I do you know and I'm like oh but I feel great you know and it's I think it's really important for people to start practicing that because once you can and I think you'll completely agree on this you know um once you find who you are and what you like what you value and how you love yourself, that is the only way that your vibrations can attract the right person in return. If you're looking for a love relationship or, or, you know, not looking, but,
1: or even a friendship. Exactly. Know yourself well and to have boundaries because otherwise in every area, whether romantic or not, you're not going to end up attracting things that are good for you.
0: Exactly. Um, or even, like, be able to stand firmly on your feet in a work relationship. Um, you know, I learned that as well. My Once you love yourself and give yourself time, it's kind of like, who was it that told me? I don't know who, who told me, but they basically said, you know, in an interview, you've got to wear your best shoes, right? Because people will look at your feet and notice that if you take care of your feet and give – you know it's not about having like the most expensive shoe but if you give your your feet love and attention then that means you give yourself love and attention um so it's it's kind of along the same lines you know geekly sure. enough but um so i want to go into that let's jump into love and relationships on that aspect what do what is like the most common thing that people are coming um coming to you about and talking to you and reflecting um, to you about?
1: Um, Well, I would say probably relationships. That's probably the number one driver for most people because whether it is your relationship with your loved one, your romantic relationship, your relationship with your boss, your relationship with your friends, your relationship with your family members, that tends to be kind of the uh, nucleus of our lives.
0: Now, is there a common is there a common relationship pattern that you're seeing? Like, is it communication? Is it intimacy? Um, is it you know?
1: To me, when it comes to romantic relationships, it always comes down to connection.
0: Yeah. What type of connection? Okay. What are we talking about?
1: Well, for example, there um, was a researcher, uh, M. Gary Newman, who did one of the biggest studies of cheating men and cheating women, and what he found was that only in 7% of the time for women and 8% of the time for men did they cheat because of sex, purely because of sex. Mm -hmm. Over 90% of the time, the reason why they cheated, the number one reason, was. lack of emotional connection or a combination of a lack of emotional and sexual connection. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's the glue. I mean, you know, I always operate under the assumption that there's a certain level of trust, there's a certain level of love and care and and kindness in a relationship, but when we look at really kind of the more advanced stuff and kind of relationships that go the distance, connection is is key.
0: That is, I mean, I, I completely agree on that. I think, um, First and foremost, the beginning of all of that starts with communication and communication with the vulnerability side and being able to be vulnerable and saying, hey, you know, this is, this is what I feel, you know, I've learned to say this is what I feel instead of you did this, Um, but this is what I feel and this is what I need, um, you know, and, and I think that's highly important because I feel like, okay, let me, I don't know why I started whispering, but when I, <laughs> when I, um, got together with a friend, um, we were on a hike and we were talking about, we we're really good hiking buddies. Um, and we were talking about the town that we live in currently. And he mentioned to me, and of course I'm like, I feel so naive. He's like, did you know that there's a huge swinger po- um, population Pretty, you know, in this area. And it's like, what? Like,
1: <laughs> it's what funny you- mention that you mentioned that because actually I, I have a column in InStyle magazine called Hump Day with Dr. Jen. It's a sex and relation column my next column is all about sex parties and swingers what?
0: and all of that. No, no, is there, can, can I ask you a question? Is there a code word? Like, how do you get invited to something like that? Like, so say you're like at dinner with like your neighbors, you know, and you're like, and they're swingers and you're like, you're swing Like, is there, do they just bring it up? Like what, what? Like, I don't well, get I mean, it.
1: Well, first, first of all, in this day and age, there's an app for everything. There, there oh are God. sites for everything. Like. There, there are vacations based on swinging and sex parties. So it's actually not difficult at all. There are event rights for swinging and for sex parties. So in, in terms of a couple coming on to another couple, you know they may test the waters, they may ask questions, they may flirt a bit to see if the door is open. But you know, in general, if you're someone who is looking to check this out, most people check out the
0: apps. Now, have you ever recommended for, like, if you had a couple that came in and they had kind of like, let's just say some staleness in that aspect of their life, have you ever recommended for them to spice things up by joining a swinging group? Absolutely
1: not, and I talk about this a lot in the Relationship Fix, Dr. Jen's Six-Step Guide to Improving Communication, Connection, Intimacy. The last chapter of my book is is about sex. I have no judgment who sleeps with who, how many people are in the room, how they do it. I think if you are single and you wanna to go to a sex party, go, have fun, have a great time. Like if you wanna do a threesome, great, enjoy yourself, have a blast, be safe, it's all good. But to me, a couple who, is having a situation where things are stale and then decides to start bringing in third parties fourth parties fifth parties sex mm. parties whatever to me the answer is about fixing what stale how do we make things not stale? how do we learn new techniques how do we learn better techniques what can we bring into the bedroom whether it's toys costumes fantasy porn whatever it is in order to make our sex life more interesting so the couple who is having a stale sex life and who doesn't put the time and energy into the sex life between the two of them is, is doomed <laughs> because yeah. whether you go to the party or not, we have to put time and energy into our relationship. We have to put time and energy into our sex lives. We have to put time and energy into all of it. We don't get to be passive the baby in the crib anymore, that we have to be adult. We have to take responsibility for our relationships and, and, do that work. And I'm not saying people go to sex parties are not adults, but I'm saying people who seek to put a band-aid on a stale sex life by bringing in third parties are not going to solve it. They're not doing the hard work is, is the way to go about that. The people who are involved in non-monogamy, who are in the kinky life, all that sort of stuff, more power to them. Those are people who typically for it to work well. And again, I don't recommend it. in In my almost thirty years of being a therapist, I have I've yet to see it work for the long term. It's always fun in the beginning, or usually sometimes it's not, but it eventually it tends to create problems. But for people who do do that successfully, and I know there are some out there that do, they're very specific about the rules that they follow. That they define their non monogamy slash monogamy in very specific ways, they constantly have discussions about it, they constantly check in with each other to see, is this still working for you, is this not, how do you feel about this person, how do you feel about that, and it's very possible to break those commitments, even in an open relationship, because, for example, if you're a couple who says, okay, you can um, sleep with other people as long as it's not one of my friends, and then that person ends up sleeping with a friend, yeah. Or okay, we're gonna do a sum with this person, but I don't want you sleeping with them alone. And someone slips and does that—that's still a breach of that trust and that connection and that that promise made. It's
0: crazy. You know what? I, I I just can't even think about that. I feel like that's so much work. Like that's like another job to like. Oh yeah. You know, like <laughs> uh, yeah. like I I. I I'm not in a relation, like I'm technically single right now. You know, I've tried dating. I'm, it's, I'm very particular and I, you know, I have so many passions, you know, projects going on in my life. I'm, I am self-sufficient. You know, I, I'm a lover. I'm a big lover. You know, like it's not saying I'm like Xing out like a relationship in my life, but I'm, I'm at the point where I'm like, I'm not going to play games. And for, for, that just seems like a lot of work, you know, like, yeah. and so can we go on to like modern day dating right now? Because I'm sure you've had a lot of also people come in and say like, I, I don't, I, I'm not a bad person, you know, but it's hard to date these days. And I'm going to raise both my hands right now, Dr. Jen, and say like, it is so hard. And people will like almost look at me Like I have a disease, and say like you don't have a boyfriend. Like why not? You're so pretty and you're so smart, and and I'm like I don't. I'm not dying, you know. Like (laughs) I I just you know I I'm not gonna just give myself to anyone, you know. But it is hard. I have to admit, it is hard to to meet someone that's really honest. You know, there's so many dating apps out there. I've heard the the percentage that like at least thirty. Maybe even more, thirty percent um, or more of the people on dating apps are actually already in a relationship, and that freaks me out. Um,
1: well, but also, but also some of them are doing it like we were talking about earlier about open relationships with the consent of their partner. You know, like I've had clients who are in open relationships or who are married but like to bring in a third party who are on like an Ashley Madison or one of those kind of sites to find a third party, and the other their spouse knew. Mm. So it's hard to know how accurate those stats are and what they really mean in, in today's age. But look, here's the thing. Uh, I, I think that as women, we tend to feel more pressure to be in a relationship, but you really have to let go of what other people think. And the truth is, most people are just making conversation. They don't give a shit. Like honestly, they're being complimentary. They're saying, oh, you're so terrific. I can't believe you that you're not in a relationship. I, I wouldn't give it too much energy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I, I believe in in the thirty second rule. Nobody thinks about anybody but themselves for more than thirty seconds. So that person mm-hmm. at the party goes, "Oh, Catherine, she's so amazing, she's so fabulous. I can't believe she has a boyfriend." And then they go back to thinking about themselves. What am I to for dinner? Did these jeans make my ass look fat? <laughs> the boyfriend hasn't called me. They don't really don't give a shit about you. No offense. No, but
0: that's so true. I just heard that the other day too. They're like, they don't care. They don't care. Yeah.
1: Most people don't. And, you know, they're making small talk and they don't realize that they're hurting your feelings or offending you because that's a sensitive subject for you. But your job is on working on making it not a sensitive subject for you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's jump a little bit further here. I'm talking about love and maybe kindling a new relationship. So I'm going to give you a scenario. Uh, may or may not be true or have maybe been asked by a friend. Um, so... Um, <laughs> someone that has gone through um, maybe a neglectful past relationship in their life or um, an, an abusive relationship in their life, whether it was verbally, physically, you know, the date rape. Um, how, you know, people will be like, you've, you've gone through, you know, trauma, but how long is – how do I word this? Like, how – how much time, like, like?
1: Are you talking about the people who are like, oh, get over it? I'll yes, break. exactly.
0: Like, how much time okay, I, do you need?
1: I, I don't think there's a timeline for for trauma, but I do think we have a responsibility to ourselves and to those we have close relationships with to do the work on ourselves to heal. And that, what, that I that I believe that trauma has an enormous impact on ourselves, our ability to trust, our ability mm. to have relationships, our reactions to things, our triggers, all that sort of stuff. But we have a responsibility to work on healing it. And, you know, I can't tell you how many people on my radio show or, you know, we've got to some couples therapy or things like that and, and say, like, I really want to get better. And I say, great. What are you doing in therapy? What are you working on? And they say, I'm not in therapy. Well, nothing's going to heal. If you're not working with a professional to heal, then nothing's going to change. It's, if you broke your leg, you go see a doctor and they put a cast on and you might have to do physical therapy and you do good things to heal. It's the same thing for the psyche.
0: Mm-hmm. So um, if someone's not in therapist, what can they start doing on their own? Um, what are some things that they can start doing on their own, you know, self self-talk or um
1: I'm a big I'm a big fan of bibliotherapy I'm a big fan of you know we are very fortunate that we live in a world with TED talks and with uh online therapy and with uh all kinds of opportunities to heal ourselves but I am a big believer in in books I know that that I recommend them to my clients all the time I've gotten a lot of healing and insight from them as well but The myth about therapy is that people can't afford it because the truth is pretty much everyone can afford it because all throughout this country, there are clinics. When I was in grad school, we are required as therapists to do 3,000 hours under the supervision of a licensed person. We work for free. I had to do 3,000 hours that I did not get paid for and all therapists have to do that. So clinics all around this country are staffed with people who are available to provide therapy based on your ability to pay? Sometimes that means zero dollars. Sometimes it means fifty dollars. Sometimes it means a hundred dollars. But all throughout this country, there are clinics where people can get good help and and start to heal themselves. I
0: wanted to ask you about that. Is there a particular website that you can like look up your area for those clinics? You look
1: just just Google your area and then put
0: mental health clinic. Mental health clinic. Um, yeah. And then on the the uh, so let's talk about trust really fast. Um, sure. So going into a new relationship and trying to bring in that trust because I know these days there's a lot of skepticism because we can research people before we have that first coffee date. Um, sure. How do you how do you be open minded I, I, still? I, by the
1: way, I have I have a, a another column in my InStyle magazine, "Hump Day with Dr. Jen," all about why you should Google your date before you go. Oh, wait. Why you do a little social media stalking beforehand.
0: Yes. What, yeah. what, wait, number one why for that?
1: Well, look, I think it's important to get information. There are certain things that we can see from an Instagram, no matter how glossy someone's Instagram is, you can get a sense of, you know, is this someone who is heavy into drinking and drugs? Mm-hmm. Is this someone who has completely opposite political mm-hmm. meanings than you? Is this someone who is a hunter and you're vegan Mm -hmm. you know there are certain kind of key things that you can see from someone's Instagram page you can kind of get a sense of like where they are in their life are they out partying and, and hitting the bars or are they having meaningful friendships and relationships and I think it's important to look at that stuff so that you get a sense of if this is someone that's compatible with you or not.
0: I'm so guilty of that, and I have to tell you that is so true. I have seen many people, like, I have seen, like, someone with, they're, like, holding the ducks up, you know, after they shoot them, and I was like, nope, or, you know, or, like, I look in their eyes a lot because my father um, is clinically depressed, and I always look at different times in his life, like, past photos. I mean, I love him dearly, but different times in his lives, you can tell, um, by their eyes. And so if I see someone in a photo and they're at a party or something, I always look at their eyes, whether they're holding a, a, you know, can of beer or whatever, and see like what kind of stimulation they're getting from that, that chemical. Um, anyways, um, what was I saying? Oh yeah. Googling, um, moving into trust first step. Like how do we open ourself up besides Googling?
1: How do we open ourselves up for what?
0: For trust. Setting a firm foundation for rebuilding that trust after a neglectful past or um, uh, abusive relationship.
1: Well, look, I mean, the Relationship Fix, my book, has a whole chapter devoted to trauma and how you heal it in order to have healthier relationships. You know, it Mm -hmm. is every season on Couples Therapy, I do a session that we call the childhood trauma session where everybody talks about their childhood trauma and we connect the dots of how it relates to their relationship and how they act in their relationship and what needs to be done to change it but that's it's such a a core thing but it's not an easy fix you know but I really do go through it in the relationship fix talking to people again you know it's one of those things I wanted people to be able to pick up the relationship fix and have the experience of having therapy with me Mm -hmm. and have the experience of understanding. I go through every different kind of trauma possible everything from kind of the more traditional traumas that we think of of you know rape and molestation and physical abuse and emotional abuse to things that a lot of the time people don't even think about like going through a divorce or the loss of a parent or having a father with depression that i talk about all those different things and how you're likely to be depressed or how you're likely to be impacted by it and acting it out in your relationship and sometimes even just the awareness of oh that happening, so I'm more likely to do this. That's my stuff. I have to be aware of it, so I do it differently. It's is the first step.
0: Exactly, you know. And I'm gonna just, I just wanna ask one quick question. It's totally I, I am gonna have to, to
1: go. Okay,
0: so okay. This today. is a. We have one more question, and then you're you're out of here, sister. Okay. Okay. So this Thank is our you. last question because I could talk to you for days and hours, but maybe another time. Okay. <laughs> ready yeah what's your honest truth that has led you on a path to success in maintaining a healthy lifestyle
1: my honest truth about what has helped me maintain success in a healthy lifestyle yes um if i understand the
0: question
1: correctly like what motivates me to be successful and healthy is that what what the question is in
0: any aspect mentally um in relationship Um, physically, fitness, food?
1: I I have a life that is based on things that are meaningful to me and that motivates me. So my career that I get to help people is a super motivating factor for me. That I get to do it on a mass scale, such as a show like VH1, where I get to reach all those people is amazing and it's a motivator for me that in my food choices i choose to not harm animals and i'm making a choice that will help me live longer that's something that motivates me that 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 really a core philosophy for me is about helping others and so things that are consistent with that value become very easy to be motivating for me
0: dr jen thank you so much you are Whew, beyond more knowledge than we can even, I my head is exploding and I'm going to go <laughs> pick up like, I'm, like, I'm going to go look up more of your books than I can even read at one time. But I want you to plug yeah. right now, what is it the yes. newest book you have that you're, um, you're putting out there?
1: Well, I think that really, since we've talked a lot about relationships, really the relationship fix, Dr. Jen's Six Step Guide to Improving Communication, Connection, and Intimacy. And that book is is particularly um I feel like I was able to cover what would be a couple years of therapy for the reader Mm -hmm. um, in the way I wrote it, giving examples, pointing out things that people may be doing, giving tips and tools, being very specific, asking questions. There are quizzes in it. There are suggestions. There are um, things that people can do by themselves or potentially with a partner. A lot of the time people will say, well, I'm not in a relationship right now. Should I read the book? Absolutely read it before you get into a relationship so that you go in having the skills and knowing what your triggers are and your issues are.
0: Definitely. Dr. Jen, um, in the show notes, we're going to include all of your social handles. So, guys, don't you fret. Um we will include all of those. Again, I am so, so, so thankful and grateful for your time and your energy and just your knowledge. Um, again, guys, this has been another amazing episode of the Just Being Honest podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please do feel free to write them in. Um, we're on Apple iTunes under Just Being Honest. That's being without a G. Um, and uh, rate us, review us, let us know what you think, and tap in, ask Dr. Jen a question. Um, look her up. We'll put all, again, all of her information in the show notes. Um, again, it's been a pleasure. Sorry I was so nervous, but I just oh, want to know so it. much. I, I appreciate it, and, and
1: thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, uh,
0: thanks, Dr. Jen. We'll talk to you soon, you okay? All right. Take care. Bye. Okay. okay. So that was amazing. I'm flipping out right now. I'm literally clenching my fists because I have so many more questions to ask Dr. Jen. She had to run. Of course, she's a very busy, 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 busy woman. Um, Anyways, tune in to our next episode. You're going to be surprised who's coming up next. Again, thanks for tuning in. Kiss, kiss, hug, hug, peace, love, ciao.